The title of my message is, There Are No Setbacks. There Are No Setbacks. In Genesis chapter 37, there was a, is it 37, Sarah? Okay, thank you. Genesis 37, uh, there was a young man named Joseph, and uh, he was 17 years old. The Lord gave him an incredible dream, and in the dream, he told, God told him that his 11 brothers were all going to bow down to him one day. Now, Joseph was a 17-year-old adolescent, and that particular young man, that particular teenager, he didn't have a whole bunch of wisdom at that point in his life. He didn't know that his next move was not the smartest move uh, of all time. See, what he did is he walked in front of his brothers and he said, guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but the Lord gave me a dream last night. And, and the dream was all y'all, he was Southern, all y'all were bowing down to me. They were not happy with that announcement at all. They were not as excited to hear it as Joseph was to say it. I mean, when he looked at him and said, you guys are going to bow down to me, those 11 brothers were furious. So they devised a plan to throw him into a pit, and they did that, and then they sold him into slavery. That was a horrible moment in Joseph's life. No doubt that Joseph had to have thought, my life is in a spiral right now. He went from being excited about what God was doing with him and in his heart and in his spirit. He went from excitement to complete depression in a moment. He had to have thought, I am experiencing the worst setback of my life. The first point that I want to share with you today is that God's plans, his plans for you, never experience a setback. Your plans may experience a setback. My plans may experience a setback. God's plans never experiences a setback. You see, what we need to do when we have these moments where, uh, moments of perplexity, if you will, where we don't understand what God's doing. We feel like our whole life is experiencing a setback, a setback in our business, a setback in our relationships, a setback in our health. What we have to do is we have to back up and look at the behavior and the character of God. I've heard it said that past behavior is an indication for future behavior. And so if we look at how God has always behaved, we can anticipate how he's going to behave in the future. So let's just have a little case study. In Genesis chapter 1, every time God spoke, something was created. When he speak, when he spoke, something was created. Every single time. If I could go back in time, 
just at one place to, to any place. If I could get into the, the, the DeLorean and, and go back in time and, and to any point, I would go back to the days of creation. Because when God said, let there be light, stars, these balls of fire, everywhere. When he said, let there be water, I mean, lakes and oceans and waterfall. And then he backs up and he says, separate, boom, all the water that he made, it all separated and land formed. Every time God spoke, something was created. Now, all of a sudden, and on the sixth day, God stopped speaking. And when God stopped speaking, all of a sudden, things had the creation all stopped as well. At that moment, there's no doubt that angels that were watching the creation, they started looking in and peering in. What is about to happen now? It's a scary thing when God stops talking. But in John chapter 5, verse 17, it says that God is always working. So if he's not speaking and creating But he's still working. What's he doing? I'm so glad you asked. On day six, he stopped talking. He stopped creating. And he took his hands and he placed it in the dirt. And all of a sudden, he started shaping. And many of you know what happened. He ended up shaping mankind. You see, when God is speaking, he's creating When he's silent, he's shaping. Let's always remember the exciting moments when he is speaking and you can hear his voice, maybe not out loud, but right down in here. I know that's exciting for you. When he speaks to me, again, not out loud, like you can hear my voice right now, just right down in here. When he's speaking to me, it's very exciting. When he's silent, let's never make the mistake that he's stopped working. He is shaping. And so though he spoke to Joseph and though he sent a dream to Joseph, that was an exciting moment. He didn't stop working when he got bought into slavery. He started shaping. You see, Joseph had a lot of pride as a 17-year-old. He came walking in there. Hey, guess what? All y'all gonna bow down to me. All, all y'all. God looked at him and said, that's not the kind of leader that I need you to be. So he stopped speaking and he started shaping. None of us like those seasons because those shaping seasons, he's got to take off some pride. He has to take off some ego. So a, a lot of times it's our own understanding that gets in our way. Many of you know the scripture that says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust him. Well, in order to stop leaning on your own understanding, you have to go through a season 
of not understanding. And so those seasons are very difficult. But never make the mistake of thinking that God has stopped working. He's working. There's just something in you that he's shaping. See, what's happening to you can change in a moment. But what's happening in you is a little bit of a process. I'm not saying the process is enjoyable. But what I am saying is the process is obviously necessary. And so here, let's get back to the story Joseph is inside of this caravan of a sort, and he's, he's going to be sold into slavery. This very wealthy man named Potiphar came walking along, and he said, I'll take that guy. And he bought Joseph. He bought Joseph, brought him into his home. Joseph was thinking, finally, I'm, I'm out of slavery. I'm going to do the best I can, and, and I'm going to start piecing my life back together again. And so he's working and he's serving this guy Potiphar to the best of his ability. But the problem was Potiphar was married to a crazy woman. She was bat crazy. She looked back at this 17 year old boy and said, wow, that boy's hot. I'm going to have me a little side affair with this boy. Well, Joseph had just gotten out of slavery, and he's not going to risk his future over this bat crazy woman. And so he runs out of the house. I mean, he panics. As he's running, the bat crazy woman grabs him by the coat and says, you get back here, boy. And he's like, nah. And it was turned into a, a, a fight. He takes off. She's standing there holding the coat. Now, she's feeling stupid. She's feeling silly. She's back crazy. But even back crazy people know how to feel regret and stupidity. And so what does she do? She's so embarrassed. She's so regretful that now she's angry. And the worst thing you can do to a bat crazy woman is make them angry. So she backs up and she goes and tells her husband, Potiphar, this guy tried to rape me. Look, I've got his coat. Potiphar lost his mind. He was so angry that he had Joseph arrested and thrown into prison. Now, here we go again. We got Joseph, who once was so excited about what God was speaking to him. Now he's all the way, he's feeling like everything, all the, the, the ground that he had gained, he's lost it all. He's back in prison. He has no platform to speak of. He had to have been thinking to himself, how are my brothers going to bow down to me if I have no platform to stand on? How am I going to have any influence if I have no platform? How can I do what God's called me to do if I have no platform? And so he's sitting in prison and he decides, you know what? Rather than looking for a platform, I'm going to start focusing on people. You know, it's a very interesting moment in everyone's life when they begin to realize that people are more important than platforms. Sometimes someone can live their whole life waiting for a platform and missing opportunity in the process. 
What we have got to learn is we have to look for opportunities, not platforms. And so he sat in prison and he looked over and he saw the warden of the prison. And he said, this isn't, this whole situation is not what I wanted. But that guy right there, I'm going to make a difference in that guy's life. And so he started being super nice, super kind, started serving him and started representing his God to the warden. He didn't have a platform. He didn't have a crowd. He just said, I'm going to be the best man I can be for God, an audience of one to one person. Wouldn't you know that that warden decided, I like you so much, I'm going to put you over the entire prison. And all of a sudden, he had a platform. God can trust platforms to people who value people. But he takes platforms away from people who no longer value people. Don't look for platforms. If you look for platforms, you'll waste a lot of time. Look for opportunities because they're all around us. If you study the scriptures, Jesus did most of his miracles not on a platform, walking and looking for opportunities. He was walking down the road one day. He walked up to a well. He was thirsty. This woman came up to the well. She was thirsty too. He began to talk to her. As he talked with her, she realized he was the Messiah. Her whole life got changed. She ran back to the town and told the town about the fact that she met the Messiah. The entire town came back and the whole town was saved. Jesus did not make that impact by standing on a platform. He made that impact by looking for opportunities. See, and here's another example. James and, uh, no, Peter. Yeah, Peter and John were walking one day to the temple. They were going to the temple to pray. As they were going to the temple to pray, they saw a guy sitting on the side of the road. And he was shaking a can looking for money. And Peter backed up, looked at the man, said, look, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'll give to you. He says, now stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he stood up and walked. We are telling that story to each other. Many of you have heard it long before I ever mentioned it. We've been telling this story for over 2,000 years. That story, just like Jesus' story by the well, never happened on a platform. It took place looking for opportunities. Jesus lived his life looking for opportunities. The disciples lived their life looking for opportunities. Another example, one time Jesus was walking down the street and he saw a blind man. He walked over to the blind man. He spat into the ground. He made mud. He smeared it on his face and my goodness, that was one of the greatest miracles those disciples had ever seen. Now, don't go smearing mud on anybody's face. If you do that, you may need a miracle by the time it's all over because that person will be really, really angry. But here's the point. The point is this. Look for opportunities, not platforms. So here he is. He's in prison, getting back to the story. He's in prison, and all of a sudden he's treating everybody he sees with the utmost respect. He's not just the warden, but everyone else in the prison as well. Well, 
one day, Pharaoh, kind of like the type and shadow of a king in those days, he was having these horrible dreams. And it was really bothering him a lot. One day, his cupbearer, one of his assistants, came up to him and said, Hey, I heard about this guy named Joseph who's in prison. I heard he's got a relationship with God and he can interpret dreams. So Pharaoh backed up and he said, well, go get him and bring him up here. I want to talk to him. And so Joseph stood before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, look, I've got a dream. And he told him the dream and he said, can you interpret it? And Joseph backed up and said, well, I can't do anything. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot to offer you, but my God, he's great and he can interpret the dream for me. And so he came back the next day and interpreted the entire dream. God showed him the whole dream. But here's my thought. What if Potiphar would have asked for Joseph and Joseph came up, Potiphar told him the dream and Joseph backed up and, w- and said, uh, you know what? I've been really down lately. I've been real angry with God lately. God and I haven't talked in a long time. I've been ticked because he gave a dream to me about my my brothers bowing down to me. And all I've been doing for the last several years is sitting in slavery and sitting in a prison. Can you give me some time, Potiphar, to go get my life right with God? Can I come back in a couple weeks and, and then we can talk about your dream? See, when God gives us opportunities, we have to already be ready. Let me say that again. When God gives us opportunities, we have to already be ready. We can't back up and go get ready. We have to already be ready. In other words, while we're living our life, we have to be connected to him. See, you, like me, probably feel really connected when you're in church on a Sunday morning. You probably feel really connected right now while you're listening to a preacher preach. You probably feel really connected when you have worship music playing in your house or in your car. But when the worship music stops or the preacher stops or you're not in church and you're just living your life, do you feel just as connected or does it feel like there's a little bit of distance that takes place between you and the Lord? The key is to stay connected and not go in and out of his presence, but to continue to walk in his presence. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, don't ever stop praying. You're always praying in your head. You never stop praying. You're constantly talking to him. And let's remember Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. So as you're constantly in this state of prayer, you're talking to him, he's talking to you. You're talking to him, he's talking to you. This is how we live our life. And then we begin to recognize opportunities. Because here's the thing. There are needs around us 24-7. The needy will always be around. 
So how do you know who to help? How do you know who God wants you to help? Well, you have to be connected to him. You have to be constantly in communication with him so that you begin to see your world the way he does. At the end of the story, in case you were wondering, Pharaoh was so impressed that Joseph was able to interpret his dreams that he pulled him out of prison and he made him the most important person in his kingdom. And you guessed it, at the end of the story, his brothers ended up coming to him and asking for help. And yes, it was exactly like the dream. They all bowed down before him and they were on their knees and they were asking for blessing. They were asking for help. And by that point, Jesus, God, had already done so much silent work, silent shaping, that Joseph, Joseph's heart could be trusted in that moment. Joseph didn't look back at his brothers and go, you're a jerk, you're a jerk, you're a jerk, you're a jerk, all 11 of you, you're all jerks, and guess what? I'm putting you all in prison. God had done so much work that the Lord could trust him in that position. And Joseph looked at all 11 of his brothers with tenderness and care. In uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, Isaiah says that he was standing in heaven and he heard and saw angels circling the throne of God. And as they circled the throne of God, they were singing a song. And it was, it was coming from the core of their being. They were shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is covered with his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is covered with his glory. Now, let me just step back from that just for one second. I'll come back to that in just a second. Hold on. Have you ever been driving in your car and you turn on the radio and all of a sudden you start hearing a song that you recognize and it's your favorite song, what do you start doing? You start singing along. Now that song is might, it might be in the middle of the song, but you jump in on the middle of the song and start singing it out loud. What's so crazy, if you think about it, there might be another million people in your city listening to that same radio station, listening to that same song, and they, that million people were singing long before you were, you just turned it on, you dialed into the same station and jumped in with them and started singing along with them. That's what I'm asking you to do. You see, those angels, they're singing all day long. 24 hours of day, they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is covered with his glory. What I want you to do, what I want to challenge you to do is to back up and go into your room, close the door, go into your closet, close the door, close your eyes and begin to visualize Jesus to the best of your ability and say, Jesus, 
I'm going to participate. I'm going to dial in to that song that they're already singing. And I'm going to jump in and sing with them. And you begin to participate with that choir that's singing. You just jump right in with them. You already know what they're singing. So you go into your closet and you begin to close your eyes and to visualize them the best you can and just jump in with the million angels. Just jump in with all of heaven. Just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. And just say it over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is covered with your glory. The whole earth is covered with with your glory. What you'll experience at that moment is the Lord comes rushing to you. Now he's always with you, but the scripture says that he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, he sits on the praises, almost like imagine a man sitting on a cloud in the sky, just kind of, just kind of, you know, I don't know what word I'm trying to use. Just, just sitting there when you praise him, That's what the Lord is doing. He's just sitting in your praises. And so jump in. Just say, holy, holy, holy. Jump in. You already know the station. All you have to do is dial in. Now, let me summarize everything that I've just said. There are never any setbacks. When you think that you are experiencing a setback because the Lord has stopped speaking, be encouraged. When he's silent, he's shaping and he loves you very, very much. Now let me pray a blessing unto you and your family. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be turned towards you and bring you peace. Be blessed in the name of Jesus.